Welcome back. Today we are talking to Peter Hunter, originally from Belfast and now living in Japan. He is the Ulster Man Abroad, um, blogs about his travels, chats to us about some scary mascots in Japan and about how life is there in the middle of this crisis and how he got there. So stay tuned and hope you enjoy. First of all, tell us um, who you are and just yourself and tell us, I know we're asking like what time it is where you are, but that's because you're not here. So maybe give us a wee bit of a lowdown on what's going on that way. Hi, so my name is Peter Hunter. I live in Japan currently, so we're recording this at 12 o'clock your time, right? So it's 8 o'clock at night here. Um, I've been living in Asia for about, this is my sixth year, sixth year in Asia. So I've been generally just teaching, teaching English to kindergarten kids over here for the past six years. So I lived in China as well. Uh, I lived in England. And it's kind of been all over the place. So. Wow. <laughs> but you're originally well, from you... Belfast. Yeah. I am from Glengormley. Glengormley. So it's a, it's a long way from Glengormley here. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. And what, what age are you, if you don't mind me asking? I know it's not as rude for boys uh, as it is for girls. <laughs> Uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm 27, so I'm 28 in September. Um, but I've currently got Corona haircut, Corona mustache, uh, Corona baby as well. So I look a bit older than I normally do. But yeah, do we not tell you that this was going like live video, not just pause? Oh, is it? Oh <laughs> no, <laughs> no. We would not do that uh, to you because I'm not ready for that either. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think people would have been ready for my mankini, so I don't know. That's the truth. That's a, it's definitely a shocking, shocking way to start That's the podcast. Really, yeah. I thought you were serious there for a minute, because I saw the little, <laughs> little red recording in the top left corner. and that was no, no. Yeah, no, just yeah. recording the side. Quite impressed with that moustache, though. Uh, yeah, this is, about two, this is about two months. So about two months ago, I, I did it for charity, but actually... Deep down, I really wanted to see what my head looked like, completely shaven. So about two months ago, I shaved it for Age UK. And at the same time, I thought, why not grow a moustache? So like, no one's going to see me. Can't go outside. So yeah, that's what we got. That's what we got for two months. So. Yeah, but you're going to shave bad. it off. You're going to shave it off before you start working with the kids again, aren't you? I went back to work last week. And oh, we, right. have to wear face, we have to wear face masks. So that's no one's bad, really seen it yet. The only okay. time people kind of see it is when I'm sitting eating lunch with the kids. Um, okay. One day a teacher walked in and screamed when she saw it. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> so she went on to say that I look like a, a gentleman, so it's not, it's oh, not too bad. Oh, that was oh. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does she always scream when she sees a gentleman? Or is that just a uh, well, big cover? I walked in, usually I have this big bush of curly hair. So whenever I walked in on the first day, most of them screamed anyway because I'd shaved my head. Um, okay. So like I was kind of used to it by that point, just people screaming at me for the first few days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Fair. obviously tactical. It's an extra barrier against the germs. Oh, definitely. That's exactly why I did it. <laughs> Spot on there. But yeah. No, it's actually getting a bit humid here now, so it's it's uh, worked out better than I thought it would. There's no frizz frizz mess at the minute it's just like wake up in the morning that's it perfect oh that sounds good that's exactly i can't imagine you, you with curly hair but that's obviously because i don't know you and i'm just seeing you as you are i can't imagine it so i'm gonna yeah. have to go like facebook stock for a bit 
go check out Instagram after plenty of curly hair there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So how's how's lockdown been for you over in Japan? And um, have there been big change? Well, I suppose I suppose if you've been watching the news over here, you know what we've been doing. Has there been much of a difference or? Um, it's a pretty big, pretty big difference to be honest. Like, I was talking to my colleague today about it. Like, uh, in Japan in total, I think there's been about seventeen thousand cases, but actually very few deaths. Um, and in terms of like lockdown, the measures were actually really, really weak. So you go down to the park and you'd see like groups of like parents like chatting to each other. You'd see people in bars. You see people in restaurants. Not as many people, but um, basically there is like. A voluntary lockdown because I think because of the post-war constitution in Japan like they can't enforce that kind of that kind of law so they were just kind of relying on people to do what's right but from my point of view it hasn't been going that way and the UK like after all I've seen is pictures of empty streets like on Christmas day and oh yeah cases in the UK seem much worse than here so I think we've just gotten very lucky here but like I was saying before, we we actually got it like towards the end of January, I think. So it's been going on here for close to six months, but it's nowhere near as bad as as this has been in Europe or America. So yeah, we got lucky, but fingers crossed. And did you know fingers about crossed. it from then? Like I know here it kind of just kicked off at the end of March. Um, I was kind of aware of it, maybe from about midway through January. And some in Japan, it's really commonplace to wear a mask at work, especially if you're sick. Um, some of the colleagues were coming in and still rare for people to wear a mask so usually if they've got one on you assume that they're ill so I asked one of my colleagues if she was sick and she was saying oh no it's because of corona and at that point it was just it wasn't so serious so I was like oh that's a, that's a good joke like uh, I like that one fast forward five months later and it doesn't seem so funny anymore but <laughs> no like, that was back that was back early January that we were kind of aware of it and it started started to kick in the daily life so Hopefully, coming out the other side now. Yeah, but yeah, no. For me like personally, that. for me personally, it's been it's been great. Like I had two months off work paid, and like pretty much professional college of player now. But I haven't actually gotten any better, so oh. that's should probably give the money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not been so bad. Cool, cool. So let's go back a bit. Um, Young fella from Glengormley. How did you end up in Japan? <laughs> was the aim always to go uh, and teach kindergarten kids? I think, I think since I was like since I was a youngster, like I've always really liked really liked kids. It's just I'm quite a quiet guy, but kids definitely bring a different kind of energy to your life. Um, so I've always enjoyed that, and then. I wouldn't say I've always wanted to go to Japan, but I think around about when I was 15, 16, I realized that I didn't want to stay in Northern Ireland, at least not for that that time in my life anyway. I didn't travel much when I was a kid, you know. I used to have this, like, like advertisement video for Disneyland that I used to watch all the time. Never actually got to Disneyland until I was 26, I think. Um, But yeah, that was the kind of stuff I used to do, so I didn't get to travel much, and then I thought when I turned 16, I was like, I'm going to go away for uni- for university. So I ended up over in Newcastle. I was there for a few years. And I don't know what prompted me, but I had this idea that I was going to go to Vietnam. And 
So I started looking to Vietnam and going there. And then one day there happened to be a, a guy came to our university from this thing called the Jet Program, which basically brings native English speakers out to Japan to work in mainly elementary schools or in secondary schools and that kind of thing. So I went to that, thought, yeah, that sounds pretty good, good pay. Uh, got an interview for that, went up to Edinburgh, did the interview, went terribly. Uh, didn't get that and at this point it was my third year of university so I was like studying and just in the library constantly so I thought right I'll just put all my eggs in that one basket see what happens and um, didn't get that so again I'm back in the library I was looking through jobs and I just saw one I was a kindergarten teacher in China and it was he just said all you need to do is apply send in your CV and a picture and that's it so I did it so right, I'll do that and I'll go back to my essay and then literally four days later, I had a job offer to go to China and I ended up in China. It was so fast that I actually had to go to the university office to check and make sure that it wasn't a scam because it was so quick. It was just like, okay, here's your offer. You're going to work here. Send us these documents and we'll get your visa sorted. Um, so that was a bit, that was a bit surreal. So yeah, I kind of ended up here via China. I did two, three years in China got some experience, had some good times, and then eventually ended up in Tokyo. Sweet. And that's, that's how I got here. My main question from this yeah. is why did it take you to 26 to go to Disneyland? 26? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, like, I like traveling, and I like going about different places, but I'm not a big fan of huge crowds. Not in like a, I wouldn't call it like an illness or anything, or I wouldn't call it like a, a fear, but it's just I prefer not to. So basically after I moved to Tokyo, I didn't really get days off that weren't weekends or public holidays until about, I think about a year and a half in, I got just like a random Monday. And I thought, right, I'm going to try and find someone to go to Disney with. And I went to Disney that day. and. Well, the first thing was like on some Star Wars ride, which was like riding the Millennium Falcon, and it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was a good day, but that's why I took till twenty six because just like just waiting for a normal day of the week to go. But I've been what a twice to start to go. You know, you're going to Disneyland in Tokyo. Most people from here go to Paris. That's true. That's true yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the video I had as a kid was um, Disneyland Florida. So oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I knew everything about Epcot, but never actually been there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tokyo actually has two, two Disneylands. It's got one called oh. Disneyland, there's one called Disney Sea. Uh, Disney Sea is actually for adults because mm. they sell beer. So yeah, that's oh. actually, it, it's unbelievable. Like they're, they're both so good. But. So is it the same thing, but with alcohol? Uh, I think... I think the they like buy the rights from Disney, but it's actually operated by another company. But it they're pretty much branded the same way, so you wouldn't know you're in Disneyland, you wouldn't know you're in Disney Sea. You just happen to be in different wow. ones. Wow! Which go. one did you go to? I went to Disneyland first, uh, and then the Disney Sea, and yeah, I'm actually kind of scared of roller coasters, so that's another reason it took me till I was 26. <laughs> okay. So, I think yeah. you've got plenty of reasons, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, it was like basically me and my friend. We went to Disneyland and we went on 
uh, what's it called? Space Mountain. Do you guys know Space Mountain? Yes. Yep. And that was about enough for me. Um, anyway, we were on that and I could just feel my body just like slipping across the seat. Like I was just, just because of how fast it was going and I don't have much core strength. So I could just feel myself slipping across the seat and my friend, she was like five foot five. This was just like jammed in with this like six foot three bloke, just like barely holding on. So I don't think it was the best experience for her, but I mean, it was good for me. That's the real thing. That's the real thing. But yeah. That is class. So how did you find, like, I can't imagine that you learned Chinese, Japanese in, you know, a Glen Gormley school. So how are you kind of finding, adapting, even with the language or obviously the culture shock would be, be a lot of differences culturally. What kind of things do you notice the most and how do you find yourself adapting to it at the start and then now? Do you feel like you're... In terms of, in terms of language or just in general? Uh, language and culture and there's lots of things, I suppose, yeah, with... Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so obviously, like, never in a million years did I ever think I would be living in China. It was just a split decision in the library, like 2 a.m., I think, one evening. Um, so then I went there. I think I knew how to say hello. I knew how to say thank you. And that was it because, like I said, I kind of thought it was a scam. And I didn't really realize, like, I, was, I didn't want to start studying and then at the last minute not end up in China. So... Basically, about two weeks before I was supposed to go, that's when I really realized I was going. So I thought, so I watched like a ton of documentaries on the BBC. Um, but all I knew was hello and give and thank you. And I think that was it. And got there and basically just made it a point just to study every day. Um, just did like, I was lucky enough that I had a two and a half hour lunch break in my job. So that, that's that two and a half hours, I'd chill out for a bit, study Chinese for about an hour, and then go back to work. And then um, that kind of helped, but it wasn't until I started taking lessons, maybe about a year later, that it really clicked and I was a lot better and it was easier to communicate. But you do meet people out there that they live here for 10, 12, 15, 20 years and they still only speak English. So I just, I didn't want to be one of those people. I wanted to like fully commit to it. So I'm, I'm definitely far from fluent, but I can, both Japanese and Chinese, I can go out and kind of take care of myself and help myself and have a conversation as well so it's 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 been good like at school like I did French and never in my life did I think I would speak French so I got a B and I was happy with that and never have I spoken French since so <laughs> I think I think one time I took an Air France flight back from China and I ordered a water in in French and I think that's it that's the only time I've ever used it so <laughs> so yeah but uh yeah it is a bit difficult like with the language and especially with Chinese, it's a tonal language. So you can say one thing and you're actually saying the complete different thing, even though it's the same word. So that the first six months is quite difficult with that. But living there, it's it's quite easy to pick up. But I wouldn't want to be sitting at home in Northern Ireland studying Chinese because you'd have no output to practice it. And I think it'd be really, really difficult. Chi uh, Japanese is a bit a bit simpler in terms of pronunciation, but I think it's actually a harder language to speak grammatically it's a bit more it's a bit different from English so okay that's actually been a bit more challenging than Chinese was so um but I assume yeah. I assume English is well known as in like you went over there and you weren't totally stuck with just being able to say hello and thank you people could still talk to you 
yeah, in China, I had like an English liaison officer kind of thing, and she would take me to take me to the bank and get a phone contract and that kind of thing. Um, so they kind of took care of all that for me. Japan is a little bit different. I have to be a bit more, a bit more independent. Um, but actually, generally, the level of English in China is really good. It's actually very, very high, especially compared to Japan, where it's very, very low. So I probably need to use Japanese here a lot more than I need to use Chinese in China. Um, also, the reason you've got a job, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't need it. I don't need it for my job, technically. But I do have to talk with the staff in Japanese because none of them speak English. So oh, nobody. That's, yeah. that's, no, I didn't realize that when I moved here, actually, because my previous jobs, there was always someone that spoke English. But this one, it's like, that's, that, that's always interesting. That's always interesting. <laughs> but you just thought it was North Island accent. Really I couldn't understand. That's the thing, like talking to you guys, it's, it's not so bad, but I've kind of got this mutual accent that I use at work and it, it also comes out just naturally and sometimes I hear it and it's, it's awful, like really terrible. So I Can remember, you speak Japanese with a North Island accent? I probably could if I really, really try. Or, or it, it just wouldn't be the same. Uh, it would. I think it would be pretty difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. We need an example. I'm sorry, I can't let you away without it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So if I was saying my my name is, I'd say Watashi wa pita desu. But if I was to say Northern Irish, Northern Irish, I'd probably say Watashi wa pita desu or something like that. <laughs> so like, also, oh, like even I, even I don't understand that. So I like, I, I don't think they're gonna get it. <laughs> Joe, that actually reminds me that reminds me of a joke that she and Todd told um, about a guy in an Italian restaurant in Belfast and he was ordering like a the guy ordered a pizza and the guy who was taking the orders from Belfast and so he's like can I have a margarita pizza please and uh, he's like, no bother turns around to the chef he's like margarita pizza and he's like what <laughs> What just happened? Like the fellas in Italy, you know, if you order a Ulster fry in Italy, do they go, eh, this uh, this man he wants an Ulster fry? <laughs> she and Todd tells it better, to be fair, but it's well, it's his job. I'd expect it. Yeah, it's a fair point. If he's a native Italian, I totally get it. So. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, I think the um, turning point for me. I think the turning point for me was when I was. I was teaching the, uh, like my own class in China. We were doing daily routine and it was going well. It was like, brush your teeth. And all the kids were like, brush your teeth. And then they're like, wash your hands. And they're like, wash your hands. And then the next thing I just started to go, take a shower. And I thought, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I can't have them say like, take a shower. So at that point I started to pronounce my, pronounce my O's properly. Um, but that was, that was a big wake-up call. About six months in, these four-year-old kids are saying, "Take a shower." Like it was. <laughs> um, you be starting up the, the seventh county of Northern Ireland. <laughs> Actually, the city that I lived in was seven times the size of Northern Ireland. So that's in terms the of population. city you were living in. Yeah, there was seven million people lived there. I think so. Maybe about five, six times the size of the population. Northern Ireland. Wow. So. Yeah. Was there any cultural things that you've noticed that kind of shocked you? Like, certain places, I suppose, like the likes of pointing and things is considered rude here, but like, 
is that maybe like, something that's like super rude there or something random like that even it is yeah, it's the same here. Pointing here is pretty rude, so I kind of have to like use my palm if I want to point to things, which is, I think with four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old kids, you need to point to things a lot, so that happens quite a lot. But I think the, the biggest thing for me was kind of the, in Northern Ireland, we're pretty direct. Like, you know, you, you'd insult your friend like they're your worst enemy, and no one, no one means anything. So... <laughs> In like a Chinese or Japanese workplace, if you're like as honest as you want to be, you're you're not gonna get very far. You know, it's 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 more of a listen and like do the order kind of culture rather than rather than like creative input. So I think that was the the biggest thing for me, and especially the first year I was there, it was it was really really difficult because you know your people will talk to you and give you like commands that I've never taught before and like there's no way I can realistically do this but it's you kind of learn to like bite your tongue and just get on with it so in, in a way it's good because it pushes you out of your comfort zone which is kind of what I needed because I was quite I was quite I'm still quite a quiet guy you know when I'm not at work I'm trying to talk as less as little as possible so um for me it was good like the first three months there were pretty difficult you know just the thought of like singing and dancing in front of kids was terrifying but after you do just constantly get pushed out your comfort zone and you just have to roll with it there's no like talking back to your boss so you do get used to it and that's that was that was the biggest thing for me so um but yeah sweet yeah i don't know why but whenever i was in university everyone i don't know if it's still the same or not i never did really but everyone sort of seemed to have this absolute fascination with Japan and Japanese culture. Uh, I see. I never I, had I, that. That's the ironic thing. <laughs> I didn't really have it either. But everybody, everybody wanted to go to Japan, and like the what do you call the comic book? Anime. Anime. Uh, which like, one? Just, I, just I don't. Com- I don't know. I don't know. Like there were many conversations about different characters and I was I just sort of yeah. sat in the corner and didn't know anything about it but yeah, I don't yeah. know why but over here there does seem to be such a fascination with Japanese culture um just from looking I, on social media like I, I have noticed like a big influx of Japanese restaurants and that kind of that kind of thing in, in Belfast and that, yeah. I imagine that's potentially where it comes from not just in Belfast in the UK in general like I've seen stuff that I would eat here on a daily basis that like I've never seen in the UK before, so I, th- I think it's a general trend. Um, I'm yeah. very glad that you've mentioned sense. that because I am big into the food. So tell me all about <laughs> what do you actually eat? Like that would be, I love like sushi would be my main thing. But sushi's good. My favorite thing is actually a thing called okonomiyaki, which is a like a Japanese pancake. So you can kind of get fluffy like, ones. Uh, no, but I have to try those. I have seen those. They're all over the internet, but I've never actually had one. Right. Um, but the, uh, these pancakes, they're like, you cook them on like a, like a griddle. Um, there's two different ways. The way I prefer is like, you get like cabbage, um, butter mix. And I think you get a little bit of octopus and egg. And there's something else like kind of like Worcester sauce. And then just kind of like, sort of like griddle it together. 
and then flip it over and it kind of solidifies to make this like really like such a good pancake like it's it's not really a pancake that's the best way you could describe it um i don't think that's come to northern ireland yet but fingers I've crossed i've seen videos Maybe. of it that's like one of the many things that i'm like i have to go and try this food i'm a little it's, bit obsessed with so street good. food and my it's husband so is good. like <laughs> he yeah. wouldn't eat anything on the street <laughs> my mom and stepdad came here last year and my stepdad's just been dying to find like these Japanese pancakes in Belfast, but he can't get them anywhere. Like I think he, he came back like addicted to them. I think we had three when they were they were over here. So Wow. <laughs> um but yeah that's that's my favorite thing. My favorite thing personally. Um it's it's pretty good. Sushi's good. Uh some of the restaurants are they're pretty entertaining. There's ones with little bullet trains and like you order your sushi and it comes like a little bullet train and pick it off and send it back. Like, that kind of jazz is it's pretty good class it does seem like, to be a bit more out there than over here everything seems to be a bit brighter and more colorful and a bit more mental i think yeah i know i know exactly what you mean i think that's partly to do with like the working culture here like it's it's really really extreme and i think you see it like day to day like everywhere you just see these mascots and neon and like fancy designs, colorful designs. And I think it's a, it's a little bit of a, like an escapism from kind of daily life. Like it's mad, you can go down to the city hall and like fill in a form and there's like a little penguin in the corner. You know, it's like, it's 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 that extreme. It's just everywhere. Every city has like their own fluffy mascot. Some of them are terrifying as well. If you Google <laughs> Japanese mascots, some of them are absolutely terrifying. Like, but it's, it's, it's really entertaining. Wow, I couldn't imagine that. Walking into Belfast City Hall and a little penguin sitting in the corner. <laughs> pretty much, it's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, we have that Amazing. much of an argument about what he's called. Is he Peter? <laughs> is he Paddy? What is he like? Fair point. That's true. I'm actually oh. looking at some of them now online, and oh, he's scary. There's one that's terrifying, and I can't remember his name, but it's... Oh, I'll send you oh, after. Oh, Kazamon. Representing sure. Ogazaki City. Don't, is, it like don't a, is it like a terrifying bear? Uh, it's like a white... Oh, I see the terrifying bear. Yeah. Meron Kuma. Melon, yeah. Melon... Yeah, it's called like Melon Kuma or something, which means like melon bear. Yeah, that one's... That, that sounds that friendly. That's... I can't imagine with your reaction that it's actually as friendly as it sounds. No, Melon Bear doesn't look very friendly at all, actually. <laughs> you gotta you gotta check him out, he's good. Yeah, yeah. So Please. as well as as well as an English teacher, you're also you're also a bit of a writer as well. Um we we knew you as the Ulsterman abroad before we knew you as Peter. Mm. So uh, how did the how did the Ulsterman abroad come come about? Um, love a writing start. I think when I, from when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a writer, and I remember when I before I moved to China, I realized that I needed to go to a different country because I knew there was other things out there, and I admittedly had sort of small-minded opinions at times, or what I would consider small-minded opinions. So I wanted to experience a different culture. But one guy that really cracked me up was um, Carl Pilkenden. Like, mm-hmm. I would sit at home just watching an idiot abroad 
just killing myself laughing. This was before I went to China. So it just started with me. I was like, okay, I'm going to prove that I'm not Carl Pilkington. So I just called it the Ulsterman Abroad and just started writing about my just experiences day to day. It's kind of evolved in a different thing over the years. Like it started with me just just harping on about what happened to me in China. And now it's it's a little bit different. It's it's more like kind of like quirky articles about what you can do in Japan and what is different about Japan and that kind of thing. But it initially just started as me documenting my experiences, just trying to develop like a different different frame of mind but in a sort of a humorous way um so it is really enjoyable to write and I, I like i like what i'm doing at the minute as well um so i post a bit of daily content usually on instagram these days just to show like a bit of daily life in tokyo um that seems quite popular as well but it's obviously totally different from northern ireland um yeah yeah I was actually just before we come on. I was actually reading your your article, your latest article about the suicide forest. I don't know how to pronounce the the name of the place. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called Aoki Gahara. Um, it's obviously quite famous at the minute. I think I don't know if you guys have heard about that Logan Paul video. That was where Logan, I heard it. Yeah. Yeah, he went into the forest and like he found like a, a dead person hanging there and. Like whenever I went there personally, like I didn't want to go, I didn't want to see any dead people. I didn't want to, I wasn't even going to write about it. Um, but I went in there and it was such an amazing place. Like it was absolutely incredible. Like you go in and it's, it's, it's kind of been, it's kind of grown over like a volcanic layer. So the, the roots of the trees just grow like absolutely everywhere. Like it looks like something from the forbidden forest and Harry Potter. Like it's incredible. And you go in there and there's no noise whatsoever. You can't hear anything. All you can hear is like your footsteps. So you can hear the birds overhead. And that's it. I, I find like day to day, it's really hard to get an environment like that where you, you can't really hear any like man-made factors. All you can hear is what's going on around you. So for me, like it was such an amazing place. And I thought it was a really terrible shame that it has this such a terrible reputation. So I wanted to write about it and try and encourage people to go there for reasons other than to other than the suicidal factors associated with it so it's went on pretty well so so far so hopefully yeah hopefully encourages some more people to go there because i think it'd be a good idea to remove the stigma around it and um, mm. yeah and is it is it still as popular for suicides is it is it known as that in the past or is it still a? I don't think it's i don't think it's as popular these days just because it's policed a lot better um oh, yeah one of the things i was talking about in my article was how there was when we were getting off the bus there was someone waiting there purposely to make yeah. sure that we weren't going in there for that reason yeah. so it's one of those situations if you go in there in like a group you know you're fine um but i think there's local businesses all around the forest and those those owners actually kind of patrol it and make sure that people around there are safe um so i, I think it's not as bad these days but it definitely Japanese circles it definitely has like a stigma which I think Japanese people tend to avoid going to it but I don't think they have that really have that reason to avoid it I think the more people that go there the better and one of the things about it is that it is so remote and it could discourage people from going in there if there were more tourists going there on a daily basis to be honest um, yeah but yeah usually my stuff's not that not that deep it's usually 
kind of like one of my articles is about going to the poop museum. So <laughs> if you if you want to check out something a little bit funnier than that, there's a there's a good article about poo on there, so you can check that out. <laughs> find I find another terrifying mascot. Oh gosh! Well, Ryan just sent me the picture of that bear thing, and <laughs> my reply wasn't exactly, um, you know, okay to put on a bear. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Anyway, really after there's one called there's one called Gajiro, which is Gaji Gajiro, like G A G A J I R O. Wow. Okay, hold on. Now. I just I have to go and look this up before I. What is that? Gajiro. Gajiro is a terrifying oh. Japanese mascot that sells curry and stars in a horror movie. What? <laughs> Would you ever buy curry from? I, I wouldn't would even go near to sniff the curry. <laughs> I would go within a hundred feet of that thing. That uh, is madness. So this is for promoting Japan. He was gonna say, is this a sales tactic or are they is somebody like giving them this from another company that they're wanting to they, prevent their competition from? <laughs> I think they're 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 like derived like from a lot of them are derived from like maybe classic folk tales from the area, but they've maybe taken those folk tales like a little bit too there early. So you get like monstrosities like what you've seen. So Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would not be buying anything from those guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. But I, suppose, um, I was wanting I suppose... to ask you what um what you missed from home. Is there anything here that like you know, obviously you've said that you're there's not really anywhere as quiet as that forest. Do you kind of miss that we're a little bit less compact in like actual population density or is there any food that you miss or is there any TV shows? Um, like in terms of people, sometimes I, you can't give, you can't be frustrating living in Tokyo where there's just so many people all the time. Um, but I actually quite like that. Fossil and fossil. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to leave Belfast because it was, for me, it felt small. Like, um, but in terms of what I what I miss, uh, probably really simple things. I do miss like having like really nice fish and chips, and I miss Lagosite orange. Like you can't get Lagosite orange in Japan. You can get it in Hong Kong, but you can't get it in Japan. So I really orange, and I've actually heard that they've since changed the recipe, so that's just that's devastating. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about it today. Like it's just little simple things, like you know, like watching the rugby on a Saturday, not at two in the morning, and um, just even just sitting with my dad watching match of the day on a Saturday night. Like I've actually just given up watching football because it's too difficult to get match of the day. So just like little things like that I miss and I miss speaking in my normal accent every day and not having to constantly repeat myself when I do speak in that accent and just there's there's some things yeah so I am planning to come back next year um, and things, things, things obviously change you know like it's it's been this is my sixth year and I'm kind of at the point where you know I probably can't do it forever and I've got nothing really the time of here, so I think it might be might be a good time. Good time to come back. Um and 
yeah like i said it's the working environment here it can be for me personally it's not too bad but it can be quite stressful and there's there's a lack of like ability to express yourself creatively and i think that's one of the things i enjoyed about being off like i was able just to sit back and kind of do some awesome or broad stuff i even started making videos which i never thought in my life i'd make like i was always just behind the computer just typing away but i've just been trying to build up a new a new skill set so that's been really enjoyable and like over here because i'm not fluent i am sort of tied to that one sector of like teaching english um so that makes it there's a lack of options for me like long term i think so but i would really recommend anyone that has a chance to do this to do it especially if you've got no like family ties at that time like it's it's just a great experience and like home's always there if you want to go back yeah that's true what, what do you think you'd like to do whenever you come back is there a particular industry you're going into or that's why i've started up? started making videos and doing a bit of like video editing and photo editing that kind of thing like hopefully get into some sort of content creation rule but i'm planning to take a bit of time off for a while because it's been six years nearly on the go like there's a lot of people that come out here and they'll they'll work for a little bit and they'll go back or they'll go somewhere else they won't do too much but for me it's i've pretty much been working nine to five for the past six years other than a couple of times where i've had to get visas so i'm just looking forward to maybe coming back and my dad got a camper van so we're gonna go around ireland for few weeks in the camper van amazing might invest in a gopro and just document that and see how it goes because for me personally like it's mad like i've i don't know how many countries i've been to since i moved here maybe 10 but i can say like i've probably only seen county antrim county down in northern ireland i've been to dublin a few times to watch the rugby i've been to the west of ireland a couple of times and that's it so i've barely seen my own country but i've spent the last six years just kind of gallivanting around here and i think it's important it's it's something that i noticed about japanese people here and chinese people when i lived in china they they're also the same you know they don't explore their own country enough and there's just so many beautiful things to see and people just they don't take the time to go to them so that's something i want to do whenever i get back i think that's, yeah definitely that sounds great that'd be good yeah, yeah it's good what's first on the list what do you want to see the most when i get back yeah uh this is really weird this is really weird this is (laughs) really strange this is a really strange thing but i every time i come back i get a boots meal deal i don't know (laughs) like what it's such a strange thing right but i in the airport yeah like i just love it i used to get them when i used to work in like northern ireland england i get them at lunch i get like a liquid orange maybe Probably won't be the right time of year, but those turkey cranberry stuffing oh, sandwiches yeah. are just like unbelievable. And the red velvet cake that they sell or whatever, like they're always unbelievable. So I always, that's the first thing I always do when I get back. Um, but after that, I'm not sure, probably go home, play with my dog and see how it goes. Good choice. Dogs are always the right answer. <laughs> She'll look at me while I eat the meal deal. What is she? She's a mix between a Springer and a Cocker Spaniel. Oh, lovely. There you go, Ryan. That's that's yeah. your type. We've got one of them. <laughs> what have you got? Have you got the same? Same, yeah. Same. Yeah, they're so friendly. Our, ours is like, she was the runt of the litter, so she's like terrified of everything. Like, 
anyone knocks on the door, like just hiding under the table or something, but just was really lovely. I 100% think that runts make the best pets. She's been great. Like she's she's just always happy. She's like the beacon of light in the house. So it's <laughs> looking forward to seeing her. And will it have been six years since you've seen her? Or have you been home no, in between? When I was living in China, I was able to get home a bit more, but the schedule in Japan's quite busy. So I've only actually been in Northern Ireland for maybe three to four weeks in the past four years, which is wow. insane. And it's not, that, it's not that I don't want to come back. It's more just a case of, it's, it costs like Christmas especially, it costs about £1,300 to come back. And like, for example, like last Christmas there, I went to Taiwan, which is an amazing place. And it cost me, I think, £200 return. So it's just like making the most of the time while I'm out here and trying to get home when I can. But it's, yeah. it's been more difficult since I moved here than I thought it would be to get back. But, there, there. Well, outside of Japan and China and Northern Ireland, where where is the best place? Where's your favourite place that you've travelled? Um, in terms of cities... I think Hong Kong, like obviously at the moment the situation is not great, but it's such an amazing city. Like the the architecture there, like the modern architecture combined with like the kind of like the old traditional Chinese architecture. And then if you look across to like Hong Kong Island, you've got these misty hills in the background and you've got street food everywhere. And if you take a boat for like 30 minutes, you can be on basically what looks like a tropical island and it's it's such a nice place to go to. So I'd say in terms of cities, that's probably the best place I've been to. Um, favorite place I've traveled to is maybe an area southwest of China called uh, Kunming. Um, it's in like a, it's in like a province and they call it the province of eternal spring. So it's kind of like going to Ireland, but it's like Ireland in the summer for the entire year. So it's oh, lovely. Wow. There's no, there's no pollution down there. And there's a lot of really, really nice mountain pines that you can kind of bust between. And yeah, I went to this one place called Bali, which is set below just this massive like ridge in a mountain. And it's, it was, there's it like a mountain on one side and a lake on the other side. And it's just really traditional old time. And it was, that was my favorite place I've been to. It's called Bali in Yunnan. So if you ever get to China. I get down there, but it is a bit. It is a bit remote. It's not everyone's first port of call, but it's definitely worth it. There, there. I've heard the word Yunnan before, so I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, it actually borders Vietnam. So if you're in Vietnam, just pop across. No just problem. pop across, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just go for a dander. Oh, good place yeah. for it. I suppose that the uh, the rugby world cup being in Japan last year was good crack for you. Getting to see a wee bit of Irish yeah. game. Did you get to go to any games? I went to Ireland v Scotland and France, Argentina, and I had a ticket for France versus England, but it got called off because of the typhoon. Oh, yeah. Um, so thankfully, I didn't have to pay any money on it. It was all right. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. Like, and to be honest, it was nice to see some, some Irish people because I don't know any Irish people out here. I've only met like three, I think. Okay. Uh, that was, do you remember that day the Ireland beat England at Twickenham to win the Grand Slam? Yep. That was the last time I met an Irish person in Tokyo that Seriously? was like, kind of like on holiday or something. Yeah, I don't know where they're all hiding. They're, 
but yeah, so it was nice to hang out with some Irish people. And it was, it was weird, like Tokyo City Center was like Dublin or Belfast on a Saturday night. It was it was insane. Yeah, there was just no Japanese people about. It. it was just green shirts everywhere. So it was it was a good experience. Like but it cost me a fortune. So yeah, <laughs> like drinking because I like I wasn't really watching them at home. So going to the pub twice a week to watch rugby for maybe three matches a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to get a couple more jobs after that. But <laughs> fair enough. Uh, did Typhoon hit you hard? Um like yourself personally? Uh, or was it a different part of the country? It was different it was a different part. I think it was just north of Tokyo it was quite bad, like in Fukushima, which is where that got hit by that tsunami years ago. And then yeah. I think like out in Osaka or something it got hit quite bad yeah. as well. But here it was fine. From about August to November, like you'll get maybe like three, four big ones, but generally it's not too bad. And actually, that really big one, it didn't sound as bad as the one we got like two weeks before that, just before the Rugby World Cup. So, oh, okay, like in the my apartment, I was aircon in the living room, but not in the bedroom. So, for July and August, it's too humid to sleep in the bedroom. So, I actually sleep in the living room and I've got like some balcony doors here. And just like two weeks before the World Cup that typhoon hit and it was just like it was terrifying outside and the one that came the big one didn't sound too bad like I'm glad we don't have them over here <laughs> yeah yeah between that and earthquakes <laughs> that's the yeah. truth yeah so I have one final question okay and it is what is your Netflix recommendation for lockdown oh, in English there's a lot there's a lot of that there's a lot of and Chinese and Japanese <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't give you a Japanese one. Uh, if you want to watch something good that's Japanese, there's a program called Terrace House. Uh, it's been started in a bit of controversy lately, so if you want to read that, you can. But it's actually a, it's a really good show. It's a bit like Japanese Big Brother, but there's actually respectable people in it. Like they have nice jobs, like they're like photographers and models and artists and that kind of thing. And it's actually a really good way of seeing how people in Japan live, and it's it's really interesting show so there's english subtitles for that and um, what's it called but what of terrace house terrace house yeah there's so many seasons um but the latest seasons are all subtitled in english and it's it's quite interesting it's they, they get very excited in it like because there it's there's three guys three girls and the idea is like kind of what they might date each other and it's such a difference in culture you know like Sometimes they go for a date and then they'll come back after and like they'll talk to each other, the boys and the girls, and they'll be like, So did you guys hold hands? And they get really excited about it. And it's just it's totally, it's totally different from what we would expect, I think. But uh so that's what I'd recommend in Japanese. Um over lockdown, I was watching Mindhunter. Have you seen yeah. it? Yes. I've uh, seen I was watching most it. of the first series. Yeah, I watched the first season and the second season. I don't know if there's going to be a third season, but um, it was really good. And uh, if I was to go away slightly from Netflix, I've actually been watching old episodes of Volander on Amazon Prime, which okay. a lot of people have as well. It's been great. So Kenneth Branagh plays Volander. Yes. He's from Northern Ireland. So. Yeah, it's hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good show. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's well, great. Well, I'm going to get on all of those. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. yeah, well, Terrace House, I might, I might give a shot. I, I that sounds actually really stuff. good. I'm, I struggle it's, to watch really stuff good. just with subtitles, but I'll give it a go. I'm the same. You're my, my the trash TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big fan. I think yeah. it's the same. Mine's full of things with subtitles on, but I'm the kind of person I'll play on my phone while watching TV, so I know I can't watch some of those subtitles if, uh, if I'm doing exactly. that. So I'm exactly yeah. the same. I'm fully the same. concentrate. But, uh, but yeah, it's nice to talk to some knowing Irish guys. There's not my mum. So <laughs> my dad, my Sorry, mum, is what you say there. <laughs> my dad's knowing Irish too, but he was brought up in London, so don't know what he's saying half the time either. So bit posh, eh? um, yeah, yeah. No, it's been brilliant to have you. Thank you so much yes, for joining thank us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Giving up your evening. Oh, <laughs> uh, no problem. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, like, say, say what are you talking about? It's twelve o'clock. I forgot that I forgot that you're what? It could be bedtime if he's working early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I get up like 6.30. So. Oh, no. You need to go to your bed now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right. well, I am going to have to. Yes, um, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. It's been really lovely nice to chat. Thanks, Bye. Bye.